Well, we're in this little mini, uh, just three-week series, basically, <coughs> called Real ID, and we introduced it last last week. And um, last week we talked about our position in Christ, and that we're no longer fugitives, we're reconciled to Christ, and we looked at uh, the um, point of being a new creation in Christ out of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. And then we looked at the aspect of being reconciled to uh, in our relationship with God. And then the uh, last thing we, we talked about is being an uh, ambassador for Christ, that we do have a, a role to play in all this. And tonight is we come to our second week, and we want to talk not about our position in Christ, but our potential in Christ, uh, what it means to be in Christ, um, being possible. Uh, as we looked at last week, we're no longer fugitives from justice or from our past, that all that has been wiped away in Christ, and that's just a, a gracious thing for God to do, that we've been made right with God through, through the death and resurrection of Christ and now we're considered not God's enemy, but God's friend, God's ambassador. And uh, today we go a little bit further, and we look at our potential in Christ. Uh, who, who are we really? Uh, a lot of times we ask that question, you know, who are we? Um, is your identity determined by your ancestry, by your history, by your uh, job, by your lot in life, whatever? Um, are you defined by what others say about you, or even what you say about yourself? Um, the Bible teaches that none of those things are our true identity. Our, our true identity is found in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are who he says we are, whether we feel like it or not. And so it's good to be reminded of these things. Um, have any of you seen... The fourth, uh, you probably have the to- the Toy Story movie, the fourth one. You ever watched the Toy Story? Um, then, well, you know the Toy Story movies are, are kind of interesting because they're they're kind of kids' cartoon animated movies, but they really have behind them a lot of adult uh, themes that adults can relate to. That's why I think they're so popular. In the in the fourth installment of that series, Toy Story Four. The character in the movie Bonnie, she loses her thing of art supplies. And uh, it's the first day of kindergarten, so she's all upset. And uh, Woody uh, helps her out by recovering several of these items from a trash can. And lo and behold, in the trash can, she finds a a plastic, I guess they call them sporks, you know, the spoon and the fork, um, and a couple of popsicle sticks and all this stuff. And from those items, Bonnie, the character, creates a new friend called Forky. Okay. And uh, uh, later comes to life like the other toys in the story do. And Forky's experience is different from the others because all the other ones were made in a factory. All the other toys. And poor Forky was made out of all these spare parts that they found in the trash can held together by Elmer's glue. And this creates an issue, a crisis for this character Forky because he thinks that he belongs um, in, the, in the garbage can, not in this little girl's toy collection as a prized possession. He just can't imagine that. 
and Woody, whose the voice is played by Tom Hanks, uh, takes it on himself to prevent this this character Forky from throwing his life away. I mean, he's just distraught over this, and you know that's a lot of times it answers the question um, that a lot of adults ask: Who am I? Um, am I trash? <laughs> You'd be surprised how many people feel that way. Am I treasure? Why am I here? And all those questions, um, at no doubt, enter into our minds at some point or another in our lives. And all those questions can be answered only and solely through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we all know that to be true. Uh, but it's, it's important to remind ourselves of these truths. It's like the, the little... Uh, boy in the the uh, elementary class, and they had a project, and the uh, teacher asked them this question, and they were going to write a thesis on this. And so they just took general answers from the uh, from the the class, and the question was, "What do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up?" And you know, they gave the typical answers: "I want to be a firefighter, a policeman." I mean, today that they, they wouldn't say that probably, but. Uh, <laughs> A professional athlete, a doctor, so forth. You know, the general generic questions that kids give. And then one boy gave the answer this. I want to be possible. And the teacher, what are you talking about? What do you, oh, you want to be possible? What's that? And he said, well, every time I get in trouble, my mother tells me I'm impossible. So when I grow up, I want to be possible. And, you know, that's a funny way of really defining some aspirations that we may have. See, the, the good news that we find in Scripture, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, is that we can all be possible. We can all have that possibility. And this isn't a positive uh, thinking lesson or whatever. We're going to look into some texts here. But we may be, by nature, quite impossible much of the time because we still are in this flesh. We still deal with sin on a daily basis. And at times we may feel just like that little boy, uh, impossible. Um, we may feel more at home in the waste paper basket than on the shelf filled with prized possessions. Um, but we can be made possible through Christ, and that's who we are. We just have to understand that. And we all know those kind of things, um, that we have been forgiven by Jesus Christ through his mercy, through his grace, that we've been made new. We talked about that last week. We have really unlimited potential to fully become everything that he created us to be if we understand these things. Uh, we don't have to give up. Um, it's between our ears, I think. You know, we know it up here, but sometimes it, it, it fails to make a way into our heart to give us that passion for living each and every day. And sometimes we can just get downright discouraged with life. Um, sometimes it's hit or miss whether or not you live up to your potential in Christ. Whether you spend a day being impossible or possible. Well, you know, there's a, there's a couple things that we want to uh, share with you tonight. But there's three reminders here, and they're in your, in your outline there. Um, but there are things that we can remind ourselves each and every day. Because we're, we're inundated by the world, by all this negativity, all this stuff, all the time, it seems. 
And sometimes we just need to stop and we need to remind ourselves, wait a minute, who are we in Christ? It helps us rise above these limitations that are, that are kind of placed upon us by the world and by others and, and false expectations, all that stuff, and that we can really begin to understand who God wants us to be. And these are things that are very simple. You know, um, sometimes we have moments of identity crisis. Are we really doing what God has called us to do? Am I really living out my life to the furthest extent for the glory of God? Or am I cutting corners? Um, You know, when we're faced with temptation on almost probably on a daily basis, maybe hourly basis, when we have the opportunity maybe to go out and minister to someone or, or maybe we want to bless someone. Um, when we're in a conversation with our friends who may or may not be believers or our family or our co-workers and we feel the Holy Spirit prompting us to maybe go a little further or be a little bolder. Uh, you know, During those moments, and they happen various times throughout the day probably, we have to decide, we have to understand who we are in Christ. If we don't understand that simple fact, what's going to happen is we're going to respond like we're a piece of trash, not a treasure. We're going to respond like we belong in the trash can, not on God's shelf. And that's the, the question that we have to ask ourselves all the time. Because we, we all miss opportunities. You know, when we have opportunities to share, we, if you ever walked away from conversation, boy, I wish I would have said a little more. I wish I just would have been a little more bold with the gospel with this person. And, you know, and sometimes it can come to a point in time where it's, uh, you know, someone's life hangs in the balance. And so it's good to know this stuff in advance before we get into those situations. Because if we get into those situations and we don't understand who we are in Christ, then it just may be too late to recover that moment in time. Uh, someone once said there are two great moments in a person's life. The moment you were born and the moment you realize why you were born. <laughs> you know, uh, and that's very true. There's a lot of people that live their lives without any purpose, without any understanding of what God wants them to do at all. And so we have to stop and we have to think of these things. Um, you know, you're, I'm reminded of the story of Esther, if you're remember that story I put the the verse in there that uh, Mordecai quoted to her but um, in in the story but she was an orphan Jewish girl during the time of the Babylonian captivity and and Jews of course were the ones who were being held captive they were forced into slavery and one day um, the story says that she was spotted by the Persian king and what he did was he was so captivated by her beauty that he made her, what, his wife. He said, I want, I want you to be my wife. And she took up residence in the royal palace. And a few days, or a few years later, excuse me, a few years later, one of the king's tops, top advisors was plotting to have all of the, the Jews wiped out in the kingdom. They just thought, you know what, I'm going to do this. And uh, Esther's cousin Mordecai reached out to her and asked if she would persuade try to persuade the king to put a stop to this persecution. Now, this wasn't her place to do this. 
it was really culturally the wrong thing for her to do. I mean, you don't go to the, the king and tell him what to do. But, and so Esther hedged a little bit, and it just wasn't the king's place to make such a request. But, and it was risky, actually. I mean, her, her life kind of held in the balance, um, really. But Mordecai persisted and told Esther that it was in her best interest that at least she try. Just go and try to persuade him. And then he said this in Esther 4.14, and this is there in your outline. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And the story goes on, and Esther, Esther did the right thing. She approached the king, and he listened to her, and, and the uh, sinister plot was foiled. Um, but when you listen to what Mordecai said to her, maybe this is the moment, basically what he's saying is this is the moment for which you have been created. You know, and I think we all have um, glimpses of those moments in our lives when we have something that's just so dynamic that God creates a, a moment in time that he's working in such a strong, we think, we just walk away from it and go, wow, if anything else in my life just goes down the tubes, at least this happened, you know, for the affirmative. And you can imagine how those words apply to a major life-defining moment in our, in our own lives. Um, and when you stop and you think about what was said there. But we have those moments throughout our days, throughout our years, throughout our lives, the opportunity to do right, the opportunity to, to offer uh, encouragement, the opportunity to worship, study, pray, whatever, spend time productively. And we don't always take advantage of that. I think this whole COVID thing's got us all kind of in a funk, you know, some kind of weird, you know, it's just like time stopped or something. It's really odd uh, because you just can't go do whatever you want to do and things like that. And, you know, as you, as you encounter these many moments, I guess, throughout your day, just stop and, and realize that each one of those moments God has put in your path, whether it's talking to someone on the on the train or t talking to someone in your office or talking to someone in a video call, whatever, that, that God has arranged that for a specific purpose, for a specific reason. And when we stop and we think about why we were made, why we were created, we were made to what? Worship God, made to serve God. We were made to, to, to give of ourselves for his glory. Um, we were made to encourage others encourage others to be obedient and be obedient ourselves. And when you look at Romans chapter 8, look at what Paul says there in verse um, 29. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. He says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn, among many brothers, many brethren. See, this is who we were made to be like. We were made to be like Christ. Notice he says that he also predestined to be what? Conformed to the image of his son. That has the idea of, of forming, of fashioning, of, of molding. And sometimes when you're taking something from a lump of clay into a fine piece of artwork, a vase or a cup or something, a bowl, what has to happen? There has to have, a lot of work has to take place, right? 
I mean, I don't know if you remember when we had the potter here many years ago, and when he took that lump of clay up on the stage and he turned it into that beautiful vase. You know, he just didn't snap his fingers. I mean, he was sweating. He, he, was, he was covered in mud by the time he was done. Why? Because it took a lot of work. And see, this is who we were made to be, to be Christ-like. Um, look over at Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, and look at uh, verses 1 and 2. Why don't somebody just read that out? Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Read it nice and loud if you can. Okay, so he talks there about being imitators, being in like, like, like God. And then he says, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. In other words, Christ has what? Laid down a path for us, right? He's laid down an example. We're to imitate the way he lived his life. Therefore, we would be imitating God. There's no higher calling for us to have that understanding. That's the very purpose of why God, you know, allows us to be sanctified each day more and more like his son. You know, it doesn't, I mean, I wish it did happen. As soon as you were saved, you were completely sanctified, right? I mean, who wouldn't want that? That you were just completely holy, completely. You had no more sanctification to happen in your life. That would be a wonderful thing. But that's not how it works. (laughs) You know, we're in this process of sanctification. And uh, we're encouraged to be imitators, of God. Or in 1 John chapter 2 verse 6, it tells us walk in the same way in which he walked, speaking of Christ. That Christ has laid down his life, he came here on earth, and that by the way is one of the reasons why he did come for the incarnation. It's not just so that he could die as a human being and as God for our, our life, for our sins, but also um, to give us an example to follow. To lay down a, a path that we could visibly see and say, yeah, I want to be like that person. Um, And each day we have moments that are opportunities. If you look at them that way, they're not throwaway moments. You know, it could be, you know what, you're driving to work in the morning and you get in a car wreck on the freeway. If you think of it in the right way, you know what, God knew this was going to happen. There's a purpose in this. I don't know what it is. And I may never know. But it's not just happening willy-nilly. There's, there's a reason why I'm being delayed here, you know, in this grocery line, you know, with f- five people ahead of me, you know. And all I can think about is getting outside and tearing this mask off, you know. But, <laughs> you know, there's a reason for that, right? I mean, God has a purpose in all these things, you know. And we don't want to just discount those. There's, there's, there's potential in all those things. That, you know, God has us there for a reason. We're there for that moment, for a purpose. It's not just a uh, random time. Um, but there's another thing here, another true truth I think we need to remember when we consider living up to our potential in Christ is not only that we are made for this moment, but that we have all, all the help that we need. Ken, I'm sure sometimes you feel this way, you know, short-staffed, 
right, as a business owner. Um, you know, it, it's very frustrating probably to own a business and have the work coming in and you don't have the manpower to do the work. You know, so you end up doing it yourself or burning candle both ends or whatever. Um, or what's even worse is you don't have the knowledge or the skill to do the job that you were entrusted to do. And you don't have anybody to um, delegate it to, you know. Uh, that's, that's always a difficult one. Um, see, everyone who's ever started, a, 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 ever had a job, undoubtedly has a story of, you know what, sometimes people are ill-equipped to do the job that they were being paid to do. And sometimes those people are your boss, okay? And you're looking, how did they hire this idiot? You know, I mean, where, where did this guy come from? I mean, of all the people, I mean, he doesn't even understand how the company works. And, you know, you can go on and on and on. Uh, it can be very, very, very uh, frustrating. And, uh, and when you find yourself in that position, especially as a believer, a lot of times Christians feel that way. They feel like, wow, you know, I'm supposed to go witness. I'm supposed to go share Christ. I, I don't know where to begin. I don't feel like I can do it. And see, Jesus' promise is true for us as it was even for his disciples. Sometimes we don't have the skill or the gifts or the talent or the knowledge or the ability to do what God has called us to do. But you know what? That's exactly where God wants us to be, right? Um, shortly before Jesus died, you remember, he told his disciples that he would not what, leave them alone. Remember that? What was he going to do? He'd send them an advocate. He said, the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, they were trying to put piece all this together. They didn't really know what he was talking about for the most part. But this Holy Spirit was going to be their teacher. He was going to be their guide. He was going to be their constant companion. And you know what? That same truth that Jesus told his disciples is true for us today. And when we rely on the Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to help us, to strengthen us, to speak for us, at times when we don't know what to say, um, he empowers us to do exactly what God is calling us to do. God never calls us to do something without equipping us to do it. You know, so God's not going to tell you to go and, uh, you know, serve in the church somewhere and you're not equipped to do it. Now, you may need to, to work at it. You may need to grow. You may need to mature in that ministry. But don't ever feel that you don't have the power to do it. In Romans chapter 8, verses uh, 9 to 11, look at what, what Paul says here. He's talking about really the, the, the idea of, of living our lives in the flesh. And he, he makes it pretty clear that this is something that, you know, when we're saved, we're still here in this body. We're still here in this life. And he's talking about life in the spirit. But... Uh, in verse 1 there, he says, There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus and the law from the law of sin and death. And that kind of goes with what we were saying last week, right? We're, we're free from all that. Verse 3, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk, look at this, not according to the flesh, but according to what? 
the Spirit. For those, verse 5, who live according to the flesh, what do they do? They set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. A lot of times you can tell a lot what's going on with a believer when you just figure out what they're thinking about all the time. You know, if they're thinking about this world, if they're thinking about all the worries that they have down here, they're, they're living their life according to the flesh, not according to the Spirit. Verse 6, it says, For to set the mind on the flesh, he says, is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. So, I don't know why this has to be so difficult for us. You know, behind one curtain, we have death. <laughs> behind the other curtain, we have life and peace. You know, pick. I mean, it's, it's not rocket science. But so many times, where do we end up? We end up at the curtain of death. We end up over there messing around with things in the flesh. And then he says in verse 7, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Why do you think that is? Why do you think the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God? It's what? It's not holy. Okay, it's not holy. It doesn't want to obey God. Okay. Mm hmm. And what's sin is not pleasing to God, right? See, really, I mean, the idea here is that. When you're, when you're talking about someone who has their mind um, set on the flesh, it's really talking of someone who doesn't have the ability to set their mind on the spirit, right? They're, in other words, they're outside of Christ. They're spiritually dead, exactly. And yet, as believers, we're not spiritually dead the last time I checked. So we have every opportunity to avoid the flesh. Don't set our mind on the flesh because that's hostility to, to God. We don't want that. And it says there, tells us why in the rest of the verse, for it does not submit to what? God's law. The flesh does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. <laughs> so he doubles down on us. Like, you know, if you're, if you're outside of Christ, I mean, basically you ain't got a prayer in the world. And that, and that should ring the fire alarm when we run into people that are outside of Christ in our own mind, that we should be willing to share with them the glorious gospel of Christ and share with them over and over and over again until God opens their hearts. So then he says here, it cannot, and then in verse 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Um, the idea that you are trying to, you could even say this, live your Christian life with, on your own, without the Spirit's intervention. You know, trying to do it, trying to just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and do this Christian thing. You know, there's a lot of frustrated Christians living that kind of life. They're so frustrated because they, they can't do it. But they've been taught, well, they have to do it. And so they're, they're caught between the rock and a hard place. So they try and they try and they try, but they're not trusting in the power that God has given us. 
because he's given us all the help we need. And we just need to wake up and go, wait a minute, why am I, why am I struggling in this area so much? Lord, this is your problem, not mine. Just, just take it over. Deal with it. And then he says there in verse 9, You, however, speaking to Christians, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. In fact, if in fact, he says, the Spirit of God dwells in you. I mean, when you think about who you are in Christ, and you think about your potential in Christ, I mean, that's a pretty cool thing to understand that the very... um, power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead resides within us. Within our weak, frail bodies. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, The power that was at work in Jesus' life is at work in our lives. So we don't need to live a defeated Christian life. We don't need to wake up every day, oh, another day, you know. I mean, woe is me. I'm struggling in this area. Think about it. What's possible? I mean, when you think about the spirit living within you and you have that untapped power right there, I mean, all you have to do is is ask God for his help. He's not going to walk away from you. Um, that That can really give us a lot of confidence. That can give us a lot of encouragement. We may feel at times, I think, that we are impossible. You know, we're, we're just never getting it right. And it seems like the harder we try to obey, the more we disobey. And, and you know, we try to overcome sin. And it, it, we seem to fail, fail, and fail. And it seems like we can never live up to our potential. And Paul reminds us that all these things are available to us, are, is possible when we trust the Holy Spirit whom God has given us. Turn over to uh, uh, Philippians. You know this verse probably, but Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. I mean, this is just, like I said, these are basic reminders for us because they're so, they're so familiar, sometimes we forget. Um, Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. Look at verse 12. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence but much more in my absence, Then he says this, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What's he saying there? He's not saying work for your salvation. Salvation is not by works. But God produces works for us to do after we're saved. So he's saying, you know what? Be about that business. Do what God has called you to do. Work out your own salvation. Not the salvation of anybody else, your own salvation with fear and trembling. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's important that we re- remind ourselves that as we come before Christ and we're trying to become more and more like him, we don't want to ever become somebody who's so self-righteous that we don't fear God, we don't tremble before God anymore. Um, because that's that would be offensive to God. You know, we're never going to 
get to the point in our own Christian life and our own sanctification where we feel totally equipped and, boy, we don't have to deal with sin. I mean, there's people that teach that, you know, sinless perfection, that you can actually arrive to a level of spirituality in your Christian life where you don't even deal with sin anymore. That's, that's a lie. That's just not true. And usually people that teach that kind of stuff end up on the evening news, you know, being found out or something. Um, so you don't have to go through life feeling understaffed, ill-equipped, overrun by all the world's problems and your own problems because we have the help. It's right there. It's right there for us. The Holy Spirit is with us at all times. And in verse 13 it says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. That's why we can do all things without grumbling or disputing. doesn't matter what it is. God calls us to do it. Let's just get it done. So we have all the help that we need. Um, we were made for these, these moments in time. And then the last thing here, the last truth, is it's important to understand that you can do this. Um, on one hand, it's God that works in us, right? But I've met some Christians who are so caught up with your, their false humility that, well, I could never do that. I could, I could never serve in this way. I could never, oh, I'm not, they're, they're, you know, and they think that that's somehow being humble before the Lord. No, God has equipped you to do certain things for his glory. You know, and sometimes we need to have that can-do kind of mentality. And that's what Paul says in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things, right? All things through him who strengthens me. Uh, that's why Paul said that. You can be sure that you can do anything that God calls you to do. It doesn't matter what kind of trials you're facing, what kind of tribulations you're going through, what kind of adversary, what kind of prosperity or success or failure, whatever. We know that God will give us the strength, the power to do what he calls us to do. And by the way, that's true even when we're facing temptation. Remember, we looked at 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is, common, that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will, uh, he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear or your ability, one translation says. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And we talked about how a lot of times the way of escape is not to run from it, but to what? Run through it. Run through it. And Paul is saying when it comes to winning the battle against sin, that you know what? You can do it through the power of Christ. You have the help you need. You have the power of the Holy Spirit within you. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, after talking about all these challenges and difficulties in life, Paul says this, In all things, we are more than what? Conquerors. Through him who loved us. I mean, think about that. We're not just conquerors. He doesn't say, oh, you're just going to conquer. No, you're more, more than conquerors. I mean, that's a pretty hefty label to hang on us. Um, that's our potential. That's what God expects from us. That is what God has made us to be. That we can be overcomers of sin. That we can be holy. That we can have a life that is meaningful and filled with purpose. For God's glory. That we can make a difference. That we can thrive at our work or our our place of employment or whatever. That we can have a fulfilled marriage and a fulfilled family. 
don't believe the lie that, no, you can't. Because a lot of Christians do. We can, we can overwhelmingly conquer those things. More than conquer. Not just, you know, get by. You know, I, I hate it when I talk to a Christian. Well, how you doing? I'm getting by. You know, they're so discouraged. It's just like drips discouragement. It's like, or, you know, okay, under the circumstances. Woe is me, you know. That's not what Paul's talking about here. He's not talking about a squeak, squeak by, barely make it kind of mentality. He's saying, no, you're going to be more than a conqueror. I read this past week about the University of Tennessee and their football team back in 19, the season of 1938-39. And in 1938, they went 11-0, and the volunteers, the football team. Uh, they won the SEC, they beat Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl, and they won the national championship. Listen to this. The following year, they went 10-0. and They went undefeated. Untied. And unscored upon. <laughs> they, they shut everybody out. They didn't give up one single score the whole season. I mean, it would have been easy for them after the 38 season to go, ah, okay, there's nothing more we can do. But every game ended up in a shutout. I mean, not just winning, but more than winning. I mean, nobody could hold a candle to them. They were more than conquerors. See, and, and I use that illustration because it's not that you won't have some battles, you won't have some close calls in life, you won't have some frustrations, you won't have some tribulations and trials, we all do. But the thing we need to remind ourselves is our victory is what? It's assured. It's already done. It's completed. You can be sure that in every situation, you have the strength to do, if you just rely on the Spirit, on, on, on God himself, on the Spirit of God, he will give you the strength you need to do what he's leading you to do. Um, and that's a, that's a promise that every believer can take to the bank, that I can do this through the power of Christ. I can do this. Well, a couple thoughts about our potential, and then we'll close. Because it tells us about some truths the Word of God does about God's children. Um, first of all, the thing we have to understand, is there in your outline too, every, every person does have a higher potential they can reach. In other words, you never plateau. Um, and depending on your personality, that can either be a blessing or a frustration. Right? I mean, there's some people that thrive on that. You know, they say, ah, next, what's next, what's next, you know? There's other people that's like, when's this going to end? You know, I just want to be done with this. Uh, you're never done with it. I mean, in a way, it's kind of frustrating so many times because, at least for my personality, because you, you kind of want to, you, you, you want things to get just to the point where everything's good. It's just, that's, that's good. And it never gets there. I mean, you know, in a church, in ministry, in your marriage, you're just, there's always another hill to climb. And it's like, wow, you got to be kidding me. Um, God always has more in store for us, no matter how much you've achieved already. It doesn't matter. Um, every person has a higher potential that they can reach. Secondly, every person has been created by God to bring him glory. In other words, we're not doing this for our own pat on the back, right? We're not doing this for our own glory. We can accomplish this by being the people that he made us to be, by living a life that's honoring to him. 
And you know what, we're able to do that individually, but we're also able to do that collectively, right? As a church, um, by fulfilling our individual purposes here on earth and then coming together as the body of Christ and saying, hey, are we doing everything that we need to be doing for his glory? Um, I mean, he made us all individual. I mean, we're all different. We're all beautiful in our own way. We're, we're perfect in our own way. God makes no mistakes. And yet he calls us as the body of Christ to come together and to use all those gifts and those abilities and talents for his glory here on earth to fulfill his purpose. So each one of us is being created by God for his glory. Another thing I thought was interesting, thirdly, was no one can reach our potential without the help of God. I mean, clearly. Um, we can't do it on our own. And the, the moment you think you can, you're in trouble, you know. Or you're doing it in the flesh. Because we can't reach our true potential without the help of God. And when we try to separate, separate ourselves from God, when we try to push God away, um, or the gifts that maybe he has given you to use, we're always going to fall short. We're, there's always, we're always not going to have that fulfilled uh, life in Christ because we're not doing everything that he has called us to do. Only God can give us the opportunities for displaying and using our talents in ways that honor him and produce real growth in our own lives. So, you know, just, just remember, he's there to help you, but don't try to do it without him. That's a recipe for disaster. Then the last thing here, only God knows the limits of your potential. Um, I mean, the potential that you have to be the best person that you can be, we're not ever going to know what that is. We, we can't grasp that. We're not God. We, we don't know the amazing things that God has purposed for us. Um, I mean, we could run into each other five years from now, and it, it would, you know we could be total flabbergasted by by how God is is using certain individuals. Um, we just don't know, uh, and He has many blessings and many plans prepared for us, and they're not always what we want. Um, and so we have to trust Him. We have to trust His purpose, His timing and his plan for our lives. And, uh, you know, but a lot of Christians have really blinded, have been blinded to their own potential. They, they, they feel like they don't have any potential because they don't recognize their true identity in Christ. Um, they're kind of like Forky, you know. He saw himself as nothing, as a throwaway. He wasn't even fit for the recycle bin. But the character in the movie, the Bonnie, saw him differently. I mean, to him, he was just a, a piece of trash to be thrown away. To her, that was her treasure. It's one of her favorite toys. Um, and she saw the potential that, you know, he didn't see. I know we're talking about a cartoon character, but it, it relates to us as well. And let's not make that same mistake. God sees you not as a piece of trash. That's what the world would want you to think. But as a treasure. Uh, he doesn't see you as something he wants to cast aside. He, he sees you ready to rise to what he wants you to do. Your full potential. He created you to be like Christ. To walk as Christ. 
to live as Christ lived, to walk as Christ walked. And he gave you the capacity to do it. He gave you all the power it takes to live a holy life. And day after day, as we live this life, moment after moment, we may think we're impossible. But God says, no, you're not. I want to, you're possible. (laughs) I'm working here. It was for this that you were created. Each moment you can experience the fullness of your potential in Christ. And sometimes it's frustrated because we don't know what God's doing. We don't know how God's working. 